What's up, everybody? You're listening to episode two of the Eminem podcast. I'm Mark Morales alongside Nick Rivera, and today we're going to talk some baseball. So we are now days away from opening day 2019. Oh, my God. There's a lot of expectations for a lot of teams in Major League Baseball, like the Phillies, like the Yankees. The and Phillies. Get you can say the Red Sox, since they are coming off a World Series championship run. I'm nauseous now. Why'd you have to bring that up? <laughs> So before we really get into this upcoming season, let's let's break down the offseason. We we all know that this offseason was a very weird time. Very strange. Yeah. We're we're used to a lot of big time free agents signing big time contracts right out of the gate in free agency to set the tone for the rest of the market. But the past two years, the market has been pretty slow. And there's been a lot of talk about collusion in major league baseball why aren't they signing (laughs) collusion why aren't they signing these free agents there's a lot of good players still on the market and guess what opening day is like three days away damn that that hit me i'm not ready i'm still in like football mode this is like weird to me yeah well football mode's more like a like a 24 7 type of mode i feel like football never dies or never football is life let's go so let's talk about some of these big-time free agent signings. And let's start it off with the first major free agent to sign his contract in Manny Machado. We all know Manny Machado, Machado signed a 10-year contract worth $300 million from the San Diego Padres. He, played, he played most of his career with the Orioles. He got traded to the Dodgers last year at around the trade deadline. And we all know what happened with the Dodgers with the whole Johnny Hustle thing, the not running out the ground ball situation, how he's not going to hustle 24-7. But nonetheless, he still got his 10-year deal with the San Diego Padres, a team that didn't really win a lot of games last year. And to be quite honest, even with the addition of Manny Machado, I don't see them winning a lot more games this year either. The San Diego bums. Only a team like that would give Manny Machado 10 years, $300 million. Ugh, it's it's. It's perfect. And that, oh, I can't wait until three years from now. Neither of them are happy. It's just, it's just fantastic that a, a player like Manny Machado goes to such a dumpster fire. It makes me happy on the inside. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. Though. Manny Machado is a great player. He's arguably a generational talent in the infield. He's won a couple of gold gloves. He, I know last year he changed positions from third base to shortstop. And I, I do believe that he's going to be playing third base again with the Padres. But, you know, there's a lot of talk. Like, is the era of the 10-year contracts over? Are these big-time free agents going to get all, all this money that they're, they're expecting to get? Because if you remember, Manny Machado didn't sign early. He signed – all these guys signed pretty late, um, late in February, early in March. And there's just been a lot of talk with free agency and how this market is going to be going moving forward. So we had Manny Machado get signed with the uh, – with the Padres. And that brings us to our, our next big free agent in Bryce Harper, who recently, a couple of weeks ago, signed a 13-year contract worth $330 million with the Philadelphia Phillies. Last season, the Phillies were a good team. They were a solid team. They were kind of like, uh, like how the Yankees were a couple of years ago. They were a team that didn't really have a lot of expectations going into the season and just had a really solid, good year. And they've had many, 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 many acquisitions this offseason. They have JT Ramuto now. They have David Robertson. They have Juan Segarra from the Mariners. They have a lot of good talent. And then with the addition of Bryce Harper, 
that might put them over the top to win the division now. But uh, I don't know about all that. We'll get into the NL East later on, but just real quick, the Braves won the division last year, and I think they won like 84 games or, or 85 games, and they won a division. So, you know, you have a team now in the Phillies with a good starting staff, um, a really good offense, and now with the addition of Bryce Harper, I think that just puts them over the top in that division. That's just me, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? This whole offseason has been weird. It's like the battle of the egos. Like, the reason no one's uh, signed is because everyone's like, all right, I got to get the most money. I have to get the most years. And I feel like Manny Machado, or the two biggest players signed, Manny Machado and Bryce, they both went to teams that I, I don't think they really want to play for. They just went there because they threw money at them. Like, you think Manny Machado, he, go, he goes from being on the Dodgers, being in the World Series, to immediately the Padres. When have the Padres done anything? Yeah, no, I agree with you on that, but I don't think that's the case with Bryce Harper, though. Manny Machado, I can see that he might not be happy. He's just chasing the dollars because, like you mentioned, the Padres, when was the last time they were relevant? When Bartolo Colon hit the home run against them? <laughs> that was the last time they were relevant. The Padres. That's, that's not something to be proud of either. Bartolo Colon hitting his only career home run against you. That's legendary um, stuff right there. But with Bryce Harper, I think it's a win-win for him. He gets the money. He gets to have the most expensive contract in Major League Baseball history at the time of his signing. For three and, for three minutes. Yeah. And he gets to play for a team that's immediately in the race for the pennant. Immediately. Who? They're, nah, I don't care. The Phillies, they had their one championship in 08 relatively recently. Uh, I'm not buying it. Uh, I'm not, but he, I don't think he really wants to play there. I think he wanted to play in a market like New York or um, LA. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the money wasn't there for the Yankees and the Dodgers clearly weren't interested, which it, it, it's, it's weird because if you remember the Dodgers traded away a lot of talent in uh, Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp to open up room in the outfield. So for a while, there was a lot of thought that Bryce Harper was going to sign with the Dodgers, but he wanted the, the long-time security, and he wanted the money. And the only team that was willing to give it to him was the pot, was the Phillies. And last year, the Braves did win the division with 90 games, and the Phillies were in third with an 80-82 and 82 record. So they have a lot of more acquisitions now. They have a, an all-star catcher in JT Ramuto. They have a solid starting staff. They have a solid bullpen now with the addition of David Robertson. And their infield is shored up with Juan Segarra, and their outfield now contains Bryce Harper. So... The Nationals were, were right ahead of the Phillies by just two games. So, I mean, I don't know. I think the Phillies have a really good shot at winning this division because you're banking on the Braves. I mean, you would have to assume that they're going to get better. No, because they're all, they were pretty much a, a young squad last year. It's going to be a very, very tough division. But like I said earlier, we'll get more into that later on when we discuss the Mets. You were talking earlier about how uh, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper were kind of like, all right, who's going to sign first? Who's going to get the most money? You know, like you were saying, the battle of the egos. It's important to note that their agents are rivals themselves. So you knew that one guy was holding out to see what the other guy got so they could top it so they look better. I mean, all I'm saying is I don't think Bryce Harper deserves more money. I think Manny Machado is a better player than Bryce Harper. I don't think Bryce Harper is all that. Like, I think he just has to do it like the kind of player he is, the personality. If he didn't have the personality he did and the hype coming out of like coming into the MLB, I don't think people would regard him as like this great player. I think there's a, a whole lot of players that are a lot better than him. And Mike Trout signing for a cool hundred million more <laughs> with less years, I think that kind of shows that 
the the Angels respect what kind of player Mike Trout is, and they realize he's more deserving of just because he's of the kind of person he is and what kind of team he's on. He's on the Angels who aren't doing anything at all, and they realize that he deserves uh, all the money in the world, and I think he deserves way more than Bryce Harper, and they're in a completely two different classes. They're not even the same kind of player in the slightest. Oh, I agree 100%. When Bryce Harper signed his contract, I thought immediately, like, like this guy was, in a way, overrated. Like, yeah, he has a big name, Bryce Harper. When you think of Bryce Harper, you think uh, you think MLB superstar. You think the cover of the show 19. You think L's of in the, playoffs. The, 20, the, the 22-year-old MVP, the, the home run derby champion in his home stadium. But when you break it down, when you look at his numbers, like, th- this, this really boggled my mind when I really looked and I really dove deep into the Bryce Harper signing. Harper has only had one year with 100 or more RBIs, which was this past year. And, you know, granted, in 2015, he had 99, but he's only had two seasons with over 90 RBIs. He's had two seasons with over 30 or more home runs. Last season, in 2017, or I guess now two seasons ago, he hit 319, and he's only had two years with a 300 or more batting average. So why did this guy get $330 million? Because he has really a cool know. beard. I don't know get it. Yeah. Beards sell, man. Beards are in. It's 2019, bro. You got to get with the program. And I know a lot of people saying, oh, like, you know, war is like this big stat now in, in Major League Baseball. If you, have a, if you have a great war, you're looked at as a really great player. And put it in perspective, for every war, MLB pays you between 7 to $8 million per war. And last season, according to baseball reference, Bryce Harper had a 1.3 war, mm. which is... To put Delicious. that in perspective, Trout has had a 10 war for, I think, two or three seasons. <laughs> 10 times. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> but I completely agree. I don't think Harper deserved the contract. I think he is overhyped. And between Manny and Bryce Harper, I think Manny was the better signing if you're looking for production. But if you're looking for wins, you know, you got to go with the Phillies and the Harper How? signing. Because the, the Phillies have done a lot more and are, and are much closer to winning. Than the Nationals Padres. are a better team than the Phillies, and they had, a like, the same record. Yeah, but now the Nationals are losing Bryce Harper. What is their offense going to look like? You know, Juan Soto really needs to step up now. The, the young 19-year-old rookie sensation last year really needs to step up and kind of take the spotlight that Bryce Harper lost. I don't know. With their pitching staff, I think that the Phillies were and still are a better team. And even with Bryce Harper, they haven't done anything. So I don't know how the Phillies adding him really makes a difference. It's just spending the money. Like I was saying, the Nationals last year were 82 and 80. The Phillies were 80 and 82. So they were separated by just two games. But when you look at what they did this offseason, all the Nationals really did that pops out to you is signing Patrick Corbin, another starting pitcher, a lefty, who is solid, who I actually wanted the Yankees to sign. But now you're adding him to a, a very, very dominant rotation of Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and now you're adding Patrick Corbin. So their pitching is, is phenomenal. I think their pitching is by far better than the, than the Phillies pitching. But when you're looking at, at offense, the Phillies added a lot more weapons, like the catcher JT Realmuto, like Juan Segar at shortstop, like Bryce Harper. So I just think going into this season, I think the Phillies are by far a better team than the Nationals and the Padres. You know, the Padres last year were 66 and 96. So I, I don't really see Manny Machado really making any noise out in, in San Diego, especially with the rising Colorado Rockies. And, you know, the Dodgers are still going to be the Dodgers. 
they might not be as good since they kind of lost a few pieces and Clayton Kershaw is on the tail end of his career. But, you know, between the Padres, the Phillies and the Nationals, I, I got to say the Phillies are the best team of the three by far going into this season. Uh, I don't know about all that one, Chief. I think they're still going to do absolutely nothing. I still think the Braves are going to win, honestly. The Braves are a very good young team. They were 90-72 and 72 last year. that They won the division. But they are young, and it's going to be interesting to see how they go into year two. You know, who knows? Maybe the Braves, maybe all their young guys don't perform the same way this upcoming year than they played last season. You know, maybe maybe the pressure is too much now because the NL East is so stacked. Wait, did you say the NL East or the NL East? (laughs) No, no, the NL East. East. Because you got to remember, too, the Mets improved as well. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. But we'll, we'll get more into that later. Mad yeah. we'll, we'll get more into that moving forward. But let's shift gears now. Let's, let's talk more about the Mike Trout contract. It, it seemed like Mike Trout was just waiting to see what those I guys got. I hope he did that on purpose. Yeah, well, well, his was a little different because it was more of like a contract extension rather than a free agency mm-hmm. signing. But Mike Trout signed a 10-year deal, and it was $430 million, But it was an extension, so it adds on to the – I think he has two years left remaining on his current deal, and then this new deal kicks in. You know, I thought this was a great move and a bad move at the same time for the Angels because if you think about it, Mike Trout is easily the LeBron James of baseball. He is by far the best player in baseball, and he's worth every single penny. Now, my only concern is you have this guy now for 10 years. He's uh, he's 27 years old, so it's not like he's a young 22-year-old kid. I mean – don't get me wrong. Trout is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. He's a five-tool player. He could do everything. He could hit for power. He has good speed on the base paths. He's a great outfielder. But the only negative thing that I could say about this contract is, is he going to win in L.A. within this time frame or at least within when he's in his prime? You know, this guy is a phenomenal player. But now for the rest of his career, he, if you're watching on the East Coast, you're going to be watching him at 1030 at night. So he's not going to get a lot of, expo- of, of exposure, exposure to the rest exposure. of the world. And when you think about it, if you ask, you know, just the average MLB fan, name me three baseball players, I guarantee you that Mike Trout is not in a lot of these guys' top three, like just off the top of the head thinking about it. So, you know, I think this was a great move for him personally, but per, but for professionally and for his sponsorships and all that other stuff, I, I didn't think it was a great, great move, especially the fact that the Angels haven't done anything in a long time and you know, it'd be a shame if he commits for the rest of his career with the Angels and they don't win at all. Well, both of them basically sat down in the room and they were like, all right, listen, Mike, we know we haven't done anything, but if, if we throw 430 at you, can you accept not winning anything? And he was like, yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, why not? And I don't blame him because if someone's throwing 430 at me, I'm in there. <laughs> I'm going to lose like no one's ever lost before, Chief. I am in there. <laughs> Yeah, well, the Angels last year, you know, they, they weren't a great team, but they were an 80-82 and 82 team last year. They were second to last in their division. And, you know, their their division's tough, too. You know, they got the Mariners, who were 89-73 and 73 last year. You have the A's that were 97-65. and 65, And you're going to have the Houston Astros, who were 103-59 and 59 last year. So, you know, right now, going into next season, I don't think the Angels are going to make any noise, especially with – how the American League is already pretty stacked as it is, and their division is is going to be a very tough one to win too. Let alone try to make the wild card. Honestly, I think their main problem is their name. 
Like if they change out of that name, I think they'll be spectacular. Like what is what is this? Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? That that's horrendous. That <laughs> Yeah, but their stadium their stadium's beautiful though. You can't you can't you can't the New that. York <laughs> Giants of New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that name's got to go, Chief. They're, they're the Anaheim Angels. They're trying to just leech on the L.A. Uh, market. <laughs> no, no, they're the Anaheim Angels. Get out of here. Yeah, or the California Angels. Bring it. Let's do a throwback nah, to that. Anaheim Angels. So let's look into the free agency market now. You know, we mentioned at the top of the show that the free agency market has been kind of slow the past year, and, and especially this year, you know, there's a lot of – a lot of good free agents still left on the market. And like I said, the season starts in like three to four days. starts Thursday. I mentioned earlier that there's a lot of talk of collusion and, and why aren't these players getting signed? Why is it taking forever for these big-time free agents to sign? And I think what, ha- what has happened recently the past few weeks kind of puts the collusion and like what's going on comments to rest. Because looking back, there's been a lot of contract extensions instead of free agent signings. And just to name a few, we've had the Mike Trout contract extension, which makes him the highest paid baseball player in history and the highest paid athlete in North America out of all the sports. You also had Chris Sale just recently signed an extension with the Red Sox. Justin Verlander signed an extension with the the Astros. Alex Bregman signed an extension with the Astros as well. So that's just to name a few. There was also a minor, this, this also blew my mind. Um, I mean, I don't know too much about this particular player, so he might be really good, and, and maybe that's why they, they, the White Sox did what they did. But this particular signing blew my mind. There was a minor league player on the White Sox roster who signed a six-year, $40 million contract extension and has yet to play a single inning in Major League Baseball. That's the finesse of the century, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's what, what? I was thinking. You know, the, the numbers might be wrong, like with the, with the years and the money, but he, he signed an extension, and it was, I'm pretty sure it was like $40 million. And I'm blanking on this guy's name, but this guy has yet to play a single inning in Major League Baseball, and he got an extension. That just blew my what mind. What a legend. Uh, the Chicago White Sox, the legends. Oh, true. Do you think that this is how Major League Baseball is going to operate now with these with these contract extensions rather than these big time free agent signings? Because, you know, it seems like these players are, are afraid to be free agents now because they don't want to either a wait until three days before the season starts to get signed, because at that point you miss all of spring training. And even if you even if you wait until like late February to sign, you still miss a lot of free agent. Um, excuse me, you still miss a lot of spring training. And just to put it in, into perspective. The Yankees signed recently just signed Gio Gonzalez to a, a minor league deal worth up to three million if he makes the big league roster. And he was a he's been a major league pitcher. He's a veteran pitcher. And because he signed so late, the earliest he can come back is like May, because he needs to get his work in. He needs to get his spring training in. And I just think a lot of these players now are are a little scared and a little worrisome to reach free agency because they, they don't want that to happen to them. They don't want to have to miss the first month, month and a half of the season because they missed all of spring training due to the fact that they were waiting out for a contract. So I think that these contract extensions is going to be the move now for Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think that's going to be what's going on. Because I think for a while, baseball is one of the few, if not only sports, well, in North America that's popular at least, that don't have like salary caps. Like <laughs> if a team wants, yeah. they could have a billion-dollar payroll. And seeing as that how you can't really – I mean, back not too long ago, you could, I guess, in a way, pay to win. And it's still alive now. The Red Sox 
they not, didn't necessarily pay to win, but they won the World mm-hmm. Series and they were the mm-hmm. you know highest paying team. Yeah, one of the highest payroll. Well, it, the highest payroll. I think baseball overall, it's still like you know relatively popular, but it's like fading in comparison to other leagues. And I think that mm-hmm. they're trying to not necessarily conserve money. They're realizing that building through like uh, through the farm system, building around young players, that's like all sports are starting to realize that's really what you want to do. And bringing in these veterans for these ridiculous contracts that you're going to regret in three to four years, people are starting to catch on like, hmm, maybe that's not the best idea. And so I feel like all the teams came to the general consensus to do the same thing and not give out the, well, the, the top players like, you know, Harper, Machado, they're still going to get these ridiculous contracts. The, 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 the person who's going to really feel it is just the middle class players. The people who yeah, aren't superstars, but aren't bums, and they they deserve their money. But at the same time, they're I don't know, I, I don't think everyone, all major athletes are <laughs> ridiculously overpaid. So I mean, I don't think I don't think they should be hurting too much. I think they'll be okay. But in, yeah, I think moving forward, I'll, they're gonna get not as much crazy contracts for people who aren't like box office. It's going to be level out. And I think it'll come back eventually. Cause you know, there's going to be um, a collective bargaining agreement. Oh yeah. The C- once the CBA expires, it's, the players are going to be really pissed off once that time comes because of what has been going on the past two. Yeah, I think the, the owners, they're kind of really milking the situation right now, but I think, Right now, in the short term, it's going to benefit them. I think in the long term, the players are going to remember this, and you might even see a potential strike if they don't get what they want, especially oh, yeah. with um, basketball and football. Their contracts going up and getting guaranteed money. You guarantee, uh, granted, baseball isn't all the money guaranteed. I believe so. I, I mean, I know it's not like football or how football used to be. Like if you get hurt and they release yeah. you then you don't make your money. I, I'm pretty sure football was the only sport that was like that. Um, because I know, like, for example, like David Wright, like when he signed his contract and he hasn't played in forever because of his injuries, but he, like the Mets don't pay him, but he was getting his money through insurance. For baseball, it's it's pretty much guaranteed, I believe. Yeah. So one way or another, you get yeah, your money. So I, I think they're, <laughs> regardless, they're going to get their money, but maybe maybe not as much, maybe a little less. <laughs> And a yeah, lot of people you know, aren't yeah. too happy about it. And granted, I wouldn't be too happy about that either. I do agree with you how you said that, you know, the superstar players like the Bryce Harpers, like the Manny Machados, the Mike Trouts, they're definitely going to get their money. You know, Mookie Betts is due for a contract. I think at the end of this year, or at the end of 2020, he's due for a contract. And he's already come out and said that he's willing to test free agency. So I guess he's willing to bet on himself. But like you said, I think the average two below average players really going to feel it when it comes to free agency and commenting on what you, what else you said about how these teams are not willing to overpay and have this, this high payroll to win for the exception of this past year with the Red Sox, of course. But, you know, a lot of teams like the Yankees are kind of going the route that the Cubs went and that the Astros went build within. Yeah. You might lose in the beginning of this process, but you know, look what the Cubs did. They were bad for 108 years before they won their World Series with the, one of the lowest payrolls because they, they stayed the course, they built through within, and the Astros did the same exact thing, and now the Yankees are doing the same thing. You know, most of their offense comes from guys that they grew in their farm system. So I do think that a lot of these major league teams now have learned from the Cubs, have learned from the Astros, and maybe 
just as recently learned from the Yankees that you don't need to overpay these guys and overpay veterans if you have good young talent that could that could win you games. A perfect example. We'll go in, uh, more in depth with this later on when we talk about the Yankees. But a perfect example. Look at the Yankee situation at third base. Now you could say that they either could have gone route A or route B. Route A was stick with Miguel and Duhar, who people could argue got robbed of the rookie of the he year. Did. Had an outstanding- he did. <laughs> he did. He had an outstanding season, and he was only getting paid MLB minimum wage, which is under a million dollars. Or they could have went Route B and signed Manny Machado to a 10-year, $300 million contract. And the Yankees did the smart thing, in my opinion, with sticking with the young, under-control, contract-wise youngster in Miguel and Duhar rather than blowing all this money and paying Manny Machado $30 million yeah. a year to play third base. So that's just one example of how these teams are kind of going the young route. So I, I think that's how baseball is going to be played moving forward. A lot of these young kids, if, they, if they're producing, they're going to play. And the superstars will get their money, but the, the average to below average players is, is really going to hurt in free agency. Yeah. Like I said, everyone, <laughs> everyone's still going to get paid, but maybe just a little less. So let's talk about the Mets now and what they have done this offseason, what their season might look like, and we'll finish it off with their expectations. Do I have to talk about the Mets? So last season, the Mets were 77 and 85. If you remember, remember last year, last season, the Mets started off like 11 and no or like 13 and one or something crazy like that. And everybody was like, oh, this is the year. This is the year. And it wasn't. Just like always. Yeah. Well, you know, just like every, every year, it seems like the Mets just get decimated by injuries. And that was the case again last year. They were bitten by the injury bug. And no matter what was thrown their way, Jacob DeGrom stayed the course, pitched one of the best seasons in Major League and history. And won nine games. And won the Cy Young. And won nine games. But, you know, going into the season, the Mets had a new GM and Brody Van Wagenen, who was the agent of Jacob DeGrom. And if you remember, last season around the trade deadline, Brody Van Wagenen at the time was the, was the agent of DeGrom, said, if the Mets aren't going to sign DeGrom to an extension, then trade him. And, you know, five months later, now he's the GM of the Mets. That's how awkward do you think that <laughs> is? That's classic. Classic Mets. <laughs> Brody Van Wagen made a lot of moves this season. They brought in Wilson Ramos, the all-star catcher, who played for the Rays, I believe, last year and then was traded to the Phillies around the trade deadline. They brought in Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, the closer and the second baseman from the Mariners. And they were able to shore up their bullpen. I think that they have a uh, a decent shot at, at being decent this year. <laughs> what, what does decent mean, though? I think they could get to 500, maybe have a similar season to how the Phillies and Nationals had last year if everything goes right. Because now you have to remember, at the time when the Mets made all these moves, they were the only team in their division really making moves. And now that the, the Nationals signed who they signed in Patrick Corbin, and now that the Phillies got Harper, got Cigar, got JT Vermuto and David Robinson, you know, I, I just think that the Mets, uh, they had a really great offseason for them. I don't think that puts them over the top now with these other teams in their division. Um, I think the Phillies are going to by far win the NL East, and I think the Braves are going to come in second and, and be the wild card team. So, you know, the Mets have a, have a big hill to climb, and it just seems like they need to stay healthy in order for this thing to work for them. And there's already been some injuries, like Todd Frazier is already down. The um, Todd father. So I think the Mets made the right moves. They made the moves they had to make. But unfortunately for them, 
the other teams in their, in their division just made better moves. Yeah, no one asked uh, the Mets to take on Robinson Cano. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't like that move. Granted, I. Yeah, but that was the only way they were going to be able to get the closer, who who I think he had like fifty three saves last year for the Mariners. I know. I don't know, man. I I just think that they they shouldn't have taken on that contract because I think he's just going to be Bobby Bonilla Jr. I think he's only owed like three three years worth of his money. So it's not like a crazy, crazy deal. If he if they took him on with like five years left or six six years left, okay. But I don't really think there's a lot left. And Cano's a good player. He's a very good player. He's having a good season. Um, I think was it last year he got suspended for the PDs or was that two uh, years ago? I want to say last year. Honestly, I don't. Uh, with the Mariners, I get lost. I don't really. I don't really know. But regardless, he was still a good player pre and post suspension. So he's going to be solid, and he's he's an Iron Man too. So he's going to be solid for them. You're also forgetting that Yoenis Cespedes is going to come back at some point, and maybe now with the addition of Wilson Ramos and Robert Cano, <laughs> but maybe now with the additions of Cano and and um, and uh, Wilson Ramos, maybe that takes a lot of pressure off Cespedes, and now it's not a one man show in the offensive end. <laughs> he was born with glass bones and paper skin. Yoenis <laughs> Cespedes, I can't with that guy. Every 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 year, it's something else. He's like, oh, I shattered my fingernail. I'm out six months. Well, their pitching staff still going to be dominant. Jacob Degrom is coming off. The yeah, he might win ten games this year. Noah Syndergaard is coming off a phenomenal season. He needs to step up. Um, Zach Wheeler is going into a contract year. He had a really great season last year. I remember I picked him up in fantasy around like maybe like July or something like that, and he was just lights out from then on out. And if there was a award for best pickup of the year in fantasy, I think I would. And you still that caught Wheeler. the element playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I did, but that was besides the point. That wasn't Wheeler's fault. Wheeler was easily averaging between 25 and 30 points a game for me after I picked him up. He's a very important piece, too, for this rotation because if he could have a year, a full season of what he did last year in the second half of the season, along with the Grom being anywhere close to what he was last year and Syndergaard improving, I think of a good shot at having a, gritty, a pretty good staff. But you also have to remember, the Nationals have a good staff, too. So um, I think it's going to be a very tight race for the uh, – for the wild card, but you know, I just think that it's going to be the Phillies one, Braves two, and maybe the Mets third because I don't. Looking at the rest of the National League, you know, both leagues get two wild cards, so I think they're going to have to go up against either the Brewers, the Cubs, the Braves, the Dodgers, possibly the Rockies for for the second, for the first and second wild card. So, like I mentioned before, I think the Mets made good moves. They made the moves they had to make. But unfortunately for them, other teams within their division made better moves. So is this the year that we can ask the question, is it Mets Town? <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to be Mets Town. <laughs> Damn, not Mets Town. Town yet. It seems like the secondary markets are doing a lot better than the primary markets out here in New York, for the exception of baseball. You got Islanders Town, you have Jets and Town, Town, and you have Nets oh Town. Oh my goodness. Brooklyn, stand up. It's Nets Town, yeah. baby. But what are your expectations for the Mets? What's your prediction for their division? And, and who do you see coming out of the National League? The NL East? Uh, let's see. So the Mets, expectations for the Mets. I think that, hmm. I still, I honestly still see the Braves one. I see Philly two. I see Nationals. I think the Nationals and Mets are going to battle for, for third right there. Uh, I don't know. I think. 
the Mets added a lot of pieces, but you just can't count them out on doing Mets things. I can't wait until the the near glass yields. All of them, none of them can make it past July. And whatever it is, someone's going to get hand, foot, and mouth disease. Someone running the first, someone's ankles are going to explode. Like, just knowing the Mets, like, I, I can't see them. <laughs> I can't see them sustaining any kind of momentum going into August. So I have them finishing third best case scenario, maybe two if they stay healthy. Okay. And then who do you have winning the National the League? The National League overall? Yeah, who do you think's coming out of the National League? Oh. Well, actually, before we get oh. into that, why don't you give me your uh, your divisions picks, your two wild cards, and then tell me who you have coming out. Mm, all right, two division picks. Yeah, because you, you said Braves won, so you have the Braves coming out of the East. Hmm. Let's see. That's dang. You caught me. You caught me all crazy. I wasn't ready for all that. All right. So we'll since we're talking NL, we'll we'll stick NL. Coming out of the NL East, we have the Atlanta Braves. ATL coming out of the NL Central. We got the Cubbies coming out of the NL West. You know who it is. The first losers, the Dodgers. Who do you have coming out of the NL? NL, oh, it's the first losers, the Dodgers. So you think they're going to make it for the third yeah, straight years again? <laughs> All right, so now let me give you mine. So just to talk expectations for the Mets, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. I think if, if as long as they can stay healthy, like everyone included, starting staff, bullpen, offense, if they could all stay healthy, I think they could easily battle out for one of the two wild cards. I just, I truly think that the Phillies are going to be a really good team uh, this upcoming year. I think they're going to win the East, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very close between the Braves and the Mets for the for one You're of the bugging. wild cards in the second place in the division. Um, in the NL Central, yeah, the Brewers had a really good year last year, but you know, the year prior to that, they only won eighty six games, and I just think that they need to prove themselves again this year that they are one of the best teams. I think Christian Yelich. Yelich needs to have a, a really good year. He doesn't need to have an MVP-type year like he had last year, but he needs to have a, a, a solid season because I think the Cubs are, might come out of the Central. Um, and I know the Rockies lost um, Adam Adovino to the Yankees, um, but I don't see the Dodgers winning the West again. I think that they've lost too much on the offensive end. You know, they lost Manny Machado. They lost Matt Kemp, who had a bounce-back year last year, and they also lost Yasiel Puig. And Clayton Kershaw is... Glass Joe, <laughs> the tail end of his career, he's a, he's a, he he he's pitched one time. He's already out for half the year. Hearing you say Glass I, Joe, I just uh, the way you said it just had me rolling. Right. <laughs> but I think the Rockies are going to win the West, especially with Nolan Arenado fresh off his new contract extension, which we forgot to mention earlier too. He too signed a big time uh, contract extension. Nolan and. For Manny Machado and the Padres, I think they're going to be in last place again. I really don't think that they they are going to be that great. Coming out of the NL, um, this is big. If everyone stays healthy, you say the Mets. I'm going. I'm going to say the Phillies. You're such a hype beast. Well, you got to think the Cubs. Yeah, they won the World Series, but since they won the World Series, they they've been putting up numbers like standings wise, like they've been up there. But they just seem like to have this hangover, this championship hangover. So I don't know. I think the Cubs definitely need to prove themselves. The Dodgers, they're coming off two straight World Series L's. So I don't think and, – and they've lost pieces too. 
So I don't think they're really going to be, be a threat. But I just think this is the Phillies' time. I think they're going to come out of the NL and really shock I people. I can't this year believe with all the this. One one year of Bryce Harper and they're going to the World Series. I can't believe it's it. not just Bryce though. They've added other great talent around him. David Robinson's not a scrub. JT Ramuto is not a scrub. Juan Cigar is not a scrub. And their starting rotation aren't scrubs. You're forgetting Nolan Arola. I think that's how you say his name. You might be saying it wrong. He's the starting pitcher for um the uh, the Phillies. He was a top three finalist for uh, Cy Young last year, and they still did nothing. Well, yeah, well, now they're adding a lot more pieces. But, I mean, we'll see. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I really do think the Phillies are going to make some noise this year. I don't. I think they're <laughs> – I don't even see them coming out the East, Chief. Not this guy. I'm not buying the hype. They got to They gotta deserve the <laughs> hype. They got to earn the hype. Well, now let's talk about the New York Yankees. Yankees town. Last season – they were 162. They were second place, eight games back of the eventual championship Red Sox. The Red Sox just had a phenomenal year last year. They were 108 and 54. And, you know, the Yankees won 100 games. And a lot of people still say that that was a, a failure of a year because they, A, didn't win the division, and B, didn't make it as far this postseason as they did, um, I guess, now two years and ago. C, when they made it, when they were a game away from the and World C Series. got their lunch eaten by the Red Sox at home. 16, no, what was it, 16-1? It was either 16-1 or 16-2. Uh, it wasn't pretty. Now that's what I like to see. But I do think the Yankees got their revenge in spring training. I do believe they dropped 16 on the Red Sox. In spring no training. one cares about spring I could training. could be wrong. I could no be one, but I'm it's pretty spring sure that training. That does not matter. <laughs> but anyway, the Yankees added a, couple, a lot of pieces this year. It wasn't the big time names like Manny Machado, like Bryce Harper, that a lot of people were expecting. But I think that was a. I don't know. I don't think it was a cheap move. What cheap is not adding a starting pitcher. That's what's cheap. But we'll get into that a little later on. Um, I thought it was a very great move by the Yankees not signing Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. I think I definitely thought that would have been a mistake for them because especially let's, let's just look, let's single in on, on Manny Machado right now. Obviously if they, if they would have signed Machado, they would have had to get rid of Miguel and Duhar who had a, a phenomenal year last year. He was uh, one of the runners up for rookie of the year. A lot of people, including myself, believe he got robbed. And I think you feel the same way about that. But just to look into Miguel and Duhar's year last year, he played in 149 games. He had 27 home runs, 92 RBIs. He bat 297. And since war is a big thing, I mean, he had a 2.2 war. So, I mean, it's not double great. Double Bryce Harper. But when you look at it. It's at a double that? of Bryce Harper's. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just think overall, I think he had a great year. And when you put those numbers up against Manny Machado, there, I mean, don't get me wrong, Miguel and Duhar at this point in time is no Manny Machado. But numbers wise, he puts up just the same amount of numbers, and he's thirty million dollars cheaper than Miguel than uh, excuse me than Manny Machado. So I thought that was a great move. Obviously, it was one year that I'm basing like Miguel and Duhar off of. But if he continues to rake and continues to have these types of seasons, if he could average uh, twenty plus homers, ninety plus RBIs, I think that's going to be perfectly fine for the Yankees, especially since they have, they're going to be getting a lot of production out of the outfield. And potentially um, shortstop when Didi comes back, but so I thought that was a great move by the Yankees not signing Manny Machado. I know you don't agree. I know you wanted Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, 
But the thing with Bryce, too, is where were you going to play him? You, you, there's no room for him in the outfield. I know you can say, oh, well, they didn't need to sign Brett Gardner to a one-year deal. The human deal, thumb. But, <laughs> but either way, I do not want to commit 13 years to, to Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was batting 214 going into the All-Star game. Well, I didn't want Bryce. I, Get I, out I, of here. Well, I, I know you want Manny. Man, Manny. No? Give me no Huffle yeah, Jones. Right. That's where I disagree with you. I, the Yankees don't need either of them. They have Miguel. They have Aaron Judge out in the outfield. But I think that was a great move. Now, if you want to go cheap route, I think they definitely should have paid for Patrick Corbin, no doubt. He's a lefty. He was coming off a great year. He wanted to be a Yankee. Um, he grew up a Yankee fan. I believe he grew up in upstate New York. And I just think they missed the mark on that one. You know, you're not going to win the championship, let alone the division, with three major league starters and your four and five starters are minor league players. You're not going to win your division regardless of how good your bullpen is. And you're definitely not winning a championship when two of your starting five pitchers are minor league players. Uh, the New York Cheapos. That's my squad. They used to spend Brian. They used to spend stupid money. I miss those Yankees. We're getting outspent by the Red Sox. No, that's not how it should be. We're the evil empire. I need them to spend all the stupid money in the world. Remember when we gave AJ Burnett like three billion? I want that again. Yeah, and look how that turned out. Look how the A Rod contract. But guess what? Out. Look how got a chip. Look how CC's and got a chip out. out of it. <laughs> Yeah, one championship, and now 10 years later, they have yet to make Well, that has nothing to do with A.J. Burnett. A.J. Burnett got us a ring. (laughs) But, you know, just looking at it long-term, though, I I just thought Manny would have been a waste because you have Miguel, and I thought Bryce Harper would have been a waste because you have Stanton, you have Judge, you have Aaron Hicks now, who who also signed a contract extension, seven years, 70 million, um, who is now hurt Mm. again. But regardless, though, I— if there is one guy I think the Yankees missed out on, it would have to be Patrick Corbin. But when you look at the other signings that they had, you know, they, they traded for James Paxton, who, you know, had a good season last year. He, he too, is injury prone, though. He's had injuries throughout his career. But the positive about that is his injuries have, have had nothing to do with the shoulder and the elbow of his pitching arm. So that's a good sign. He's had a, he's had a very healthy spring so far. He's had a good uh, spring training. And, I just don't think that he's going to be this this game changer that a lot of people expect him to be. I, I do not think he's going to be um, a Justin Verlander, like how Verlander played on the Tigers. You know, he didn't have a he wasn't having a great season. Then gets traded to the uh, Astros, and it looks like he's like twenty five again, and he's been phenomenal since he's been an Astro. I I don't think that's going to be the case for Paxton. I think he's going to be an above average pitcher, but I don't think he's going to be this like crazy ace that that everyone's expecting him to be. Um, they, they re-signed J.A. Happ, who I thought was a great move. They re-signed CeCe, which I thought was a good move. Um, so, and then they, they added some good offensive players. They, you know, Didi's going to be out until I think like July or August with Tommy John's surgery that he had at the end of this past season. So he's going to be out for a while. So there's a hole at shortstop and the Yankees were able to sign or pick up Troy Tulowitzki. And they also signed DJ LeMahieu from the Colorado Rockies, who I thought was a great, great signing for the Yankees. But before we go into LeMahieu, let's talk about Tulowitzki. Tulo. Um, Tulo was a guy who was looked at as one of the greatest players at the time in baseball when he was with the Rockies. He wore number two because he was a big Yankee and Jeter fan. Then injuries kind of set him back for most of his career. He ended up with the Blue Jays um, before he came to the Yankees. And again, you know, just injuries really shut him down. And the Yankees were able to get him on the cheap from Toronto. The, the Blue Jays are paying majority of his salary. 
So I think it's a win-win for for uh, the Yankees. If he doesn't play well, all right, you're not really you're not really uh, paying him a lot of money. So you could cut him, you could trade him, whatever you want. If he's not playing well, because you have Lemayhu and eventually Didi's coming back. And if Tulo does play well, you know he has four home runs already, and in, uh, in so far in spring training, he hit another one today. Um, if he does play well, well then that's great. You got him on the cheap. The Blue Jays are are paying him to play well for the Yankees. Um, so I think that's going to be a win-win regardless of what happens with Tulo. Like I said, he's not getting paid a lot. So if it doesn't work out, you cut him. If it works out, great. Now, the major signing, which I thought was a, a fantastic move and a very underrated move from the Yankees, was the acquisition of DJ, DJ LeMay. Now, for those of you who don't really know too much about him, because he was on the Rockies last year, um, he's been in the league since 2011. He is 30 years old. He's a career 298 hitter. He's not going to be a big home run threat, but that's not that's not who he is. Last season, he had a career-high 15 home runs and had 62 RBIs. Um, you could say he had a down year last year. He hit 276. But the thing with him is he's going to be a guy that could hit at or close to 300. He's going to be a guy that could hit all throughout the field. He's not a pull hitter. He's not an opposite field hitter. He's kind of an all-around hitter. He's not going to strike out a whole bunch. He only struck out 82 times last year. And I struck out 100 times only once in his career, which was back in 2015. He's a two-time All-Star. But nonetheless, um, I thought it was a great move. But a lot of a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he's, he played in Colorado, so his numbers are inflated because, you know, the altitude thing, all this and that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, nonetheless, yeah. no, it's true. People were saying, you know, when he, when he was playing at home, I think he was batting like 330. And then when he was on the road, I think it was like 280 or something. So, yeah, the numbers could be a little inflated because of the, the you know, the altitude in Colorado or whatever, the air, whatever you, whatever you want to make the excuse for. Nonetheless, though, I thought it was a great move. And he brings something to the table that the Yankees lacked last year. And it's solid overall hitting. He's not going to be a guy that's going to hit you 30-plus home runs and drive in 90-plus RBIs. But he's going to be a guy that with two men on and two men out, instead of looking for the home run and striking Damn. out, He's going to be the guy that hits the single to score a run, that hits the gapper to score the two runs. He's going to be a guy that can do the little things like that, and that's going to be huge for a team that relies heavily on the home run like the Yankees. Yeah, any anything they can help bring in singles and doubles instead of strikeouts, I will greatly appreciate that. Now, Stanton, the strikeout machine, and uh, Gary, <laughs> L strikeout, Kraken. But <laughs> they they gotta step it up because I, I can't with these strikeouts. <laughs> they they had we definitely led the league like astronomically in strikeouts. I don't even have to look that up, and I know we definitely did without a doubt. Yeah, but strikeouts across the board were were up there in terms of what the league. In terms of the league, oh, yeah, yes. because everyone is trying to hit home runs with the juice baseball. So <laughs> we gotta get those 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 viewers in, man. Yeah, no, and I I agree. You know, home runs are up, strikeouts are up, but I I think DJ LeMahieu definitely is going to bring to the table something that the Yankees haven't had in a while, and it's the good, solid overall hitting. He's not going to strike out a whole bunch, um, but at the same time, he's not going to hit home runs a lot. But he's going to be that guy, like you were saying, that's going to get you the single, that's going to get you the double in big time in big times. Whereas you know Aaron Judge might strike out if he's trying to hit the home run, or, or Stanton might strike out. Some other moves from the Yankees. They re-signed Zach Britton. Um, they also acquired Adam Adovino from the Rockies as well, who's a, a phenomenal, phenomenal pitcher. 
who kind of comes in with a funky delivery, kind of sidearm. He has a crazy slider, but that generates a lot of strikeouts. And a little fun fact about Adovino, I believe he's going to be the very first Yankee in history to wear number zero. Ew, he's wearing <laughs> zero? Yeah, he, he wore zero with the Rockies, and he, and he brought oh, it back. that's disgusting. Well, it's kind of it's kind of hard now. A lot of Yankee players are wearing gross numbers because every every number yeah, is retired. They only got like three to choose from. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of there's a lot of numbers. Like in the my 20s. guy Torres, seventy seven. That's pretty disgusting. Uh, you mean Clint Frazier? Oh my god, that's right. Wait, what was tall? Oh, he was seventy four. Damn, I yeah. quacked on that one. Judge is ninety nine, but I'll take that because he's like eight feet tall, so he could rock. He could rock ninety nine. But if it was if it was anyone else, it would not work. Some things that I think the Yankees need to improve upon this year. It's definitely their uh, their strikeouts. They definitely have to cut that down. They have to they have to lower the strikeout rate. And I just think that comes with not trying to hit a bomb every time you're up at bat. Their home runs are definitely going to be up because Judge missed almost two months of the season last year, so the home runs are going to be up. Um, you're hoping that either Luke Voigt or Greg Bird. One of them could stay healthy, and one of them um, gets the job and, and performs well. At <laughs> one of base. them, <laughs> it has to be. I mean, <laughs> one of them. I think this is the make or break year for Bird. He's got to show up, and if he doesn't show up, I think he's gone. <laughs> Bird's getting um, me tight. Gary Sanchez, they, he definitely needs to improve. He had a horrible season. <laughs> Gary last the year. bum, just downright horrible. And if you remember, he did miss a lot of time due to some injuries here and there. But he, when he did play, he was just absolutely lazy. He was god awful, <laughs> and he just seemed disinterested in playing yeah, baseball last doing? year. There, I remember watching the Rays game, and this is—I think this was like either the first or second game back from his injury. I forgot what his injury was. I think it was like a groin thing or like a hamstring thing that he had going on. But he was—it was either his first or second game back. They were playing the Rays in Tampa, and there was a play. I think it was like the first inning, one of the first two innings, and Severino was pitching. And we all know that Gary Sanchez is a catcher that can't Legend. catch. And we learned that during the AC, the ALCS when um, there was a beautiful throw by Judge from the outfield, a beautiful cutoff and throw by Didi Gregorius, and then Sanchez dropped the ball and would have tagged out Altuve by about 50 feet. But nonetheless, we realized in that moment that Gary Sanchez, the catcher, couldn't catch. <laughs> and um, That's last season was no different. Last season was absolutely no different. And there was a play in this Rays game. Um, I think there was a guy on second base and um, Severino threw a slider in the, in the dirt and it just, it went to the left of Sanchez. And, you know, there's a guy on second base, the ball gets away from the catcher. We think the catcher is going to hustle to the ball and try to throw out the guy at third, right? Well, no, you're wrong. Apparently, <laughs> apparently um, Gary Sanchez thought that he could walk to the ball with his back to the play, to the field, had no idea what was going on, lollygagging to the ball that was probably like 10 feet to the left of him, so it wasn't really that far away. And the man on second base ultimately rounded third. Gary Sanchez, at this point in time, as soon as the runner made it to third base and was, and was rounding third, Gary Sanchez has yet to get even anywhere close to the ball. And once the runner realized that he had a shot at home, took off and ran home and stole two bases on a ball in the dirt and scored. And then later in that game, just to make it a little worse, Gary Sanchez was up at bat. There was a man on first. I think it was Aaron Hicks. And I forgot if there was a man on second or whatnot. I think they were down by one or two. But Gary Sanchez hit a ball to either second or short. And um, Aaron Hicks took off and had a hard, clean slide into second. And I think the guy dropped the ball or something. And Gary Sanchez just assumed he was going to be doubled out. So he started walking. 
to first base. And once he realized that the ball was dropped and had a chance to be safe, at that point, by the time he started hustling, he was already out by, by a foot. So that cost the Yankees, you know, that, that extra run that he gave up earlier and then the no-hustle play going into first really showed that he was just lazy. And then as soon as that game ended, he went back on the DL, which is now the IL, but he went back on the DL and, you know, Aaron Boone, I guess you could say, said it was the groin injury again, which is the reason for his lack of hustle. Yeah, but I think he definitely needs to turn that around. Yeah, I think he definitely needs to turn that around. He needs to have a great year. He needs to have a season like he had two years ago. I'm not expecting him to hit 300, but I'm not expecting him to hit 180. <laughs> Legend. I, I would have got cut from my high school team if I hit 180. <laughs> yeah. And the Yankees had an opportunity this past offseason to trade Gary Sanchez for JT Ramuto straight up. And they declined and stuck with Sanchez. So I'm really hoping that this doesn't bite them in the butt. And I'm really hoping Sanchez wasn't just a one-year wonder. No, you underestimate Gary's powers. You have seen nothing yet. The real (laughs) Gary will stand up this year. You will see (laughs) unmatched laziness. I was at spring training this year, and it looked like he lost some weight. Maybe he's ready to, to prove the doubters wrong. But nonetheless... They need to figure out what's going on at first base. Is Luke Voigt going to be the starting first baseman, or is Greg Bird going to be the starting Voigt, first baseman? Luke Voigt, baby. You know, Luke Voigt had a great, great month and a half in playoff last year when he got the chance the to play. The only clutch man. And Greg, Bird, only clutch. and Greg Bird hasn't really done anything in, since 2015. You know, he, he's shown flashes of being a really solid first baseman. He could hit for power. He's definitely a better defensive first baseman than Luke Voigt, but I think Luke Voigt is a better offensive player than Greg Bird at this point in time, just based off results yeah i'm my the greg bird ship uh sailed three years ago we're we're team luke voigt now and he he just looks more intimidating (laughs) if you're if you're a pitcher and you see luke voigt come up to the plate i'm shook i'm nervous because he's gonna he's gonna hit bombs and during the playoffs it seemed like in my granted like maybe two or three other players but he was seen like the only guy that was showing up consistently yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, Stanton needs to have a good start to the season this year. If you remember last season, he struggled heavily. He had two five-strikeout games within a week and in his entire career. I don't, I don't think it even happened at all. If it did, I think it was one time in his first, like, eight years, and then it happened twice in one week with the Yankees in his first season. But, I mean, you could say it was the cold because I remember last year in the beginning of the season, it was like 30 degrees for a while. And in Miami, he either has the roof or he doesn't. So either way, he's playing in nice weather all year long. So, I mean, there's definitely an adjustment period. He went from playing years in the National League to playing in the American League. So it's different pitchers, different style, um, different cities, different stadiums. Um, But I think he's definitely going to have a better season this year than he did last. You have to remember, he had like 37 home runs, and I think he had 100 and something RBI. So he didn't really have a down year. But a lot of people are, are basing it off of that MVP season that he had when he hit 59 home runs and I think 140-something RBIs. But, I mean, you know, that was that might have been a one-year thing. But at the same time, people cannot expect that from this man every single year. But the season that he had last year, three, uh, 39 and 100 and something, I thought that was fine for his first standing. But just because it wasn't 59 and 140, people were bugging out. But his strikeouts were up, though. I, I can't. I can't lie about that. The strikeouts were up there, and he definitely needs to cut back on those. Yeah, those. I don't. I didn't mind the season. Just the strikeouts were kind of ridiculous. I was like, all right, come on, dude. I said, <laughs> you're making all this money. Like, come on now, don't do this right now. I understand all the external factors and the newness of everything, and being Yankee and pressure and all that. Blah blah blah. 
Yeah, like when you think about it, the Yankees won 100 games, and and you have Yankee fans saying that that's a failed year. You have Stanton hitting 39 and 109 or whatever it was, and people are saying that's a failed year. Yet for the Marlins, a 100-win season, they'd be looked at as gods if you were still in the Marlins. So, I mean, it's just different type of pressure, different type of expectations, but I'm definitely seeing a bounce back or an improved season from Stanton. Well, honestly, people are saying it was a failed season because they got <laughs> molly-whopped in the – in the playoffs by none other than the Red Sox. If they would have put up like yeah. a decent series, but after the, you know, like the 16 or 15 run loss, I don't know. I don't think you could come back from that one. Yeah, but at the same time, though, it really wasn't all their offense. I mean, their pitching didn't really show up either. J.A. Happ was awful in his lone start against the Red Sox in the playoffs, but was 5 0 in the regular season with the mm. Yankees. And that just goes back to what I said at the top of the segment with the Yankees. They're not going to win a chip with the starting rotation that they have now, especially with Seve hurt, even with Seve back. They need to shore up the rotation. I, like I kept saying, James Paxson was good, but he's not the ace like Justin Ver- Verlander was. I really do think they should have signed Corbin, and I really do think that they are, are an above-average starting pitcher, an elite pitcher away cheap. from really being the Warriors of New baseball. York cheapos. Brian Cheatman. <laughs> Brian Poorman. <laughs> yeah. So now let's talk some Aaron Judge. Um, you know, last year he had a good he was having a great season. He was coming off that phenomenal rookie of the year campaign. And um, you know, last year he shattered his wrist. He was out almost two months because of this injury. And he ended with, let me pull this up. What's up, Wall Rise? 27 home runs and 67 RBIs, but only in 112 games. In the season prior, he had 52 and 114. Um, so, yeah, you by numbers-wise, you could say it was a down year for Judge, but at the same time, you have to remember he missed two months. So I think with the healthy Judge, he could definitely have a repeat of what he did his rookie year. I think he has a good, chan- a good chance at winning MVP this year. I think he's by far uh, a better player, overall, overall player than Giancarlo Stanton is. And I just think Judge is one of the best players in baseball today. And the only reason why he's not talked about a lot is because last year he missed two months of the season and his numbers were down. What's up, Ball Rise? <laughs> Aaron Judge is coming back. MVP season. That's yeah. right. MVP of the regular season and MVP of the World Series, baby. Now let's talk about expectations for the Yankees. How you see their division um, ending up, and then we could do the rundown of division by division to see who's going to come out, and then finish it off with your AL winners. All right, we're running it down. Yankees expectations it's number 28 or bust, baby. We don't want no more L's. <laughs> I want a chip and I want it now. I'm a spoiled brat and I love it that way. Give me my chip. <laughs> I've been waiting since 2009. That was a decade ago. Yes. I'm getting yeah. I'm starting to get heated. And a little funny story. When the Yankees won the World Series in two thousand and nine, my my family and uh my uh my uncles and my aunt we were all planning to go to the parade, right? So I I believe my dad was away on a business trip or doing something work related. And I told him, I said, Are you gonna come to the to the parade? He goes, Nah, it's it's fine. I got work to do, I'll just go to the one next year. And ten years later and he is yet to go to the World <laughs> Series parade. Damn, big mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, could you imagine? He said, yeah, I'm not going to go to this parade. I'll just go again next year. And then 10 years later, they have yet to be back in that Damn, position. I felt that in my bone gristles. That one hurted. 
Yeah. So continue on with what you were saying. So you, you're saying that it's either 28 or bust for the 28 or bust. And maybe next year after we catch an L again to the Red Sox, maybe Brian Cheatman will get a pitcher, hopefully. One can only hope, but we coming out the AL East, no bias whatsoever. Yankees, baby. So who do you have for the uh, AL Central and the AL West? So you have the Yankees coming out of the East. You have the Yankees coming out of the AL. Oh, yeah. And you have the Yankees winning oh, the World hell, Series. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so who do you have for the Central? All right, AL West? Central, you know who it is. It's the first-round losers, the Indians coming out of the Central. They're going to come out, <laughs> and they're going to lose in the first round of the Yankees. Or no, the Yankees are getting that bye, baby. Let's see. AL West. Who we got? Mariners, Astros, Rangers, Angels, and that. Well, I don't. Wait, wait, wait. You said you said that you're getting their bye. Yeah. Oh, I'm bugging. <laughs> I'm used to the Yankees <laughs> playing in the wild card every year because uh, El Cheapo won't get us pitchers. So yeah. All right. So we got Yankees AL East. We got Indians AL Central. AL West. Hmm. 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 I think it's. I think you got to go with, with with the Astros here. Oh, I don't want to though. All right. They're, they're we elite. Got, realistically, we're going. <laughs> did you say they're elite? I'm they out are. <laughs> realistically, I'm going the Astros, but deep down, I'm hoping the Athletics do it. Uh, I don't want the Astros no more. I got well, the Yankees versus Dodgers. Holy big market nation, and I got the Yankees and getting twenty eight. All right. How many games? How many games are they winning? Like five games, six games. They're going to do a seven-game series. I'm confused. Oh, you mean like the series. In the World Series, oh, bum. Oh. You said the Yankees versus oh, Dodgers. Yeah. Oh, what? We sweeping those bums. Oh, now we're winning it in four. <laughs> we're winning it in four. You locking that in? Yankees, Dodgers winning yeah, wait, it in four? Yeah, wait. What did the Red Sox win in? Five or six? Oh, my. What you, I, I don't remember off the top All of my head. Well, the Red Sox didn't sweep them, but guess who will? The evil empire, baby. <laughs> That's who. Well, for me, um, I do have the Yankees coming out of the East. I do have them winning the division. I think the Red Sox um, aren't going to be able to put up the same numbers they did last year. They're not going to win 108 games again. I believe Craig Kimball is still available, so I, I don't think that they have a closer. Um, their knuckleballer, Stephen Wright, is going to be suspended for a good portion of the season for PEDs. And, you know, I just think the Red Sox bullpen is diminished. So I have the Yankees coming out of the East. I think they're going to be able to win um, either 100 or, or more games again. I'm going to say, just to play it a little safe, I'm going to say between 97, 97 and up, I'm going to say for the Yankees. Um, in the AL Central, I'm, I'm going to say the Indians. I don't think anyone else in the Central is really going to be able to make a lot of noise. You know, the Twins made some noise two years ago, but they took a step back last year. And in the West, I'm going to say – I'm going to have to say the Astros. You know, the Athletics had a, had a good season last year, but it was like a one-year type of thing. They have to be able to prove that they're not just a one-year wonder, but I do have the Astros coming out of the West. And for my World Series, I'm going to say Yankees, Phillies. Yankees are going to win it in six. Oh, I can't believe you have the Phillies in the World Series. You are such a hype beast. <laughs> I can't believe this. They signed Bryce, and now they're going. They, they, they signed Bryce, and they win the division, and then now they're going to the World Series. Yeah, but it wasn't just Bryce, though. But... I am Confucian. I'm going to lock that in. Yankees, Phillies, Yankees in six. And you locked in Yankees, Dodgers, Yankees in four. Let's go. Sweet. And Get the brooms out. I'm not sure if I mentioned this before with the Mets take. Um, I did say that I think if healthy, the Mets could um, battle for the second wild card. But I do see them Mets winning. Count. I do see them winning between 80 
80 to 90 games next season. Oh, it is Mets town. If they oh. can stay healthy, though, that's that's the that's the most important thing. Well, there you have it, everybody. Nick has the Yankees winning this World Series in four games against the Dodgers, and I have the Yankees winning this World Series in six games against the Phillies. Thank Mets you, town. everybody, for listening. This has been episode two of the MNN podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at official Mark Mo, and don't forget to follow Nick at Nick V Rivera. You could check our Twitters for any updates regarding the show, where you could find the show. And I believe if you go in the app, there is a way to send us questions through the app that we could answer on our next podcast. And if that doesn't work, you could always tweet questions to myself or Nick for your chance to be mentioned on our next podcast. Oh my God, so exciting. So thank you everybody for listening. Like I said, this is episode two of the M and Ed podcast. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.